Welcome to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Network. Now your host, Jason Miller. Welcome to the show. Today I'm playing an excerpt of a recent ACT IAC event with FEMA that I moderated. My guests on that panel were Latwita Hutchinson, the FEMA Chief Information Officer, Greg Edwards, the FEMA Chief Information Security Officer, Kevin Long, the Insurance Systems Branch Chief, and Alana Barnhart, a Senior Technical Advisor. First, we hear from Alana Barnhart. Across the Department of Homeland Security, FEMA is responsible for more than 90% of the grants that are managed by the department. So federal grants serve as a primary mechanism that FEMA uses to accomplish its mission in preparing, responding, and recovering from disasters. GMM, Grants Management Modernization, is an agile program, and it's one of the department's five agile programs. And you'll hear a little bit later from uh, Kevin on the NFIP program, another agile pilot program. We leverage cloud, DevSecOps, user experience, user design, secure by design principles. And we provide the entire grants community of users, including FEMA users and other federal agency stakeholders states, locals, tribes, territories, and private nonprofit organizations that are qualified for our grants, this single modern IT experience to apply for, receive awards and payments, and manage FEMA grants. So our new system, which we call FEMA Grants Outcomes, or FEMA Go, will replace uh, nine legacy grant management and support systems that have created challenges for the agency in terms of providing a single holistic view of, of the grants portfolio and helping users to navigate through these multiple systems to be able to do business with FEMA in terms of grants. So these nine systems will eventually be decommissioned once we complete the FEMA Go development process, which uh, we're about halfway through that right now, uh, we will migrate the uh, legacy data for active and, and closed grants from those legacy systems into the FEMA Go system, and then that will uh, enable us to decommission those older, fragile, less secure systems. So as part of our role as a DHS Agile pilot program, we're helping the department and FEMA to identify and eliminate barriers to similar future programs across the board. So technical, business, governance. We're hosted in Amazon Web Services, GovCloud High, and security of our system and our grant recipients' data is a key factor in, our, in decisions that we make about our technical architecture and the hosting environment. And so when companies talk to us about doing business with the GMM system or integration with the FEMAGO system, or similar federal markets, I always stress the need for them to seek out FedRAMP certifications first. It reduces those barriers of adoption and make products accessible for programs, uh, especially such as ours, where we have this high level of security required to protect the FEMA data and our recipients' data. So when we started our development journey in 2018, our new contract team, consisting of the developers, independent validation and verification integrated test authority and the program support and help desk team were able to leverage the work of our pilot phase. And while we're always looking into the market for new and better tools to incorporate into the system architecture, our contract team remains stable until we reach our full operational capability in late 2023, early 2024, at which point we'll complete our data migration and declare 
success in the acquisition federal acquisition community that means full operational capability that's our that's our primary target so fundamental to our success we need to streamline and simplify the user experience one of FEMA's strategic goals being equity and for GMM we help the agency to achieve that strategic goal through simplifying the user experience, enabling user adoption of the system, right? We want to make sure that the system is intuitive and easy to use. So usability is one of our key performance measures. So GMM is one aspect of the process of streamlining and simplifying the, the experience for users, but it also includes close collaboration, consultation with FEMA's central grants management policy team, the risk management team, and the audit management team, and a change management team, right? And I think it's probably intuitive for those of you who've done business in the federal space especially, but in IT modernization uh, generally, that organizational change can be supported by a system modernization but it can't be driven through that. It has to be that more holistic view of making sure that we're doing things the right way for the right reasons with the right uh, support structures around it. And so from the system perspective, we use user experience principles throughout the development process. We started with a two-year effort to reach out nationally to our stakeholders to capture requirements, their pain points, get their input into business process reengineering workflows, And each supported grant program, and FEMA has over 45 at this point, identified a product owner or program coordinator for us to work with to represent business priorities of those grant programs. We're encouraging standardization, but many of those grant programs exist uniquely because they have unique eligibility criteria or unique outcomes that are written into the authorizing legislation for the program. And it's important that we Uh, recognize that and enable that. So in those relationships, we work with subject matter experts identified by those programs to participate in design, prototyping, testing of of the developed software, make sure that it's functional and usable. So we leverage usability.gov, actually a performance measure, to periodically capture user opinions on the system design and usability. Usability for us is a key driver and as part of that support to the user experience. And then when software is finally released or toggled on, since for us a release is a business event, right? We're in continuous development, continuous integration. So we have hundreds of deployments every year, but a release is really a business event, different and much less frequent than those continuous software deployments. That release is supported by wraparound services, training, primarily webinars and products and training products that are posted online, communications through briefings, gut delivery, social media channels, and then increased readiness of the help desk to to answer user questions and provide any warm handoff for questions that are not system specific, right? That's that contact center presence, the modern multi-channel contact center approach, not just a tier one help desk to open a ticket. So the training comms and help desk teams are also an entry point for us to receive additional suggestions for system functionality enhancements, which then are documented on the backlog and continued for prioritization and development in future. So FEMA Go currently supports 
four grants for the firefighting and emergency responder community and two grants for the hazard mitigation community. And as I mentioned, we're, we're right now booking over 45 grants that FEMA is authorized and funded to manage. And those remaining grant programs will be onboarded over the next 18 to 24 months. Every time you said something, I was like, oh, here's my follow-up. You answered it. And then I said, oh, here's my next follow-up. And then you answered it. So you gave me plenty, but I have a question for you anyways. And, and this goes back to something you said early on saying this FEMA GO system is part of the DHS Agile pilot program where you're trying to eliminate mm-hmm. some barriers. Uh, so I'm going to ask you, what were some of the barriers you found so far? I mean, have you, is there anything that you've put your finger on to say, hey, this has been tough and, and, and we've had to overcome it? Yeah, uh, I think one of the key challenges that we've had is really related to the federal acquisition frameworks need to govern and oversee these major programs that, as you mentioned, are consuming a large amount of taxpayer dollars. And because Agile and DevSecOps is a different framework and helps us to reduce risk overall, the heavy governance structures that are put into place or based on the Department of Defense patterns of managing, you know, multi-billion-dollar fighter aircraft and you know battleships aren't really appropriate when you're building a system, and especially in agile and DevSecOps, the risk is driven down to very small, manageable components. And so, one of the things that we've been trying to help influence uh, in the governance community is assessing risk relevant to this kind of a program, right? And eliminating some of the heavy governance um, monitoring reporting activities that that are not from, you know, from our recommendation are not uh, specifically appropriate for the reduced risk that you're seeing in a continuous del- delivery, continuous integration sort of a model. I think the other thing that's been a little bit challenging for us is a lot of the support structure around an IT modernization program, everything from, uh, as I mentioned, the governance structures, but funding and acquisition management contracting and the CIO equities, including cybersecurity, were sort of developed um, historically for the more waterfall approach where there is a lot of requirements we contract that out, and then we sort of stand by and wait until something's delivered, and then we assess the delivery. Really, what we're doing is flipping the way we manage that from gates where things are reviewed to every single day we're in the system with all of those stakeholders, and it enables us to collaborate closely and identify issues and resolve those very, very, very quickly before we allow a problem to right, continue and consume investment uh, across that support team. And so security by design, not security by discovery after deployment. Those are some key fundamental shifts. And I think it's driving changes in not only the training and policy of uh, the people that work those areas, but in how we can fine tune those things in order to better manage the risk that realistically this type of a modernization presents for the federal government. All right, excellent. There's probably a lot more questions folks can ask you, but we're going to move on to another one of the uh, big mission areas. And and Kevin Long, he is the uh, Insurance Systems Branch Chief, National Flood Insurance Program. Kevin, tell us something we don't know. 
We are one of the pilot programs for DHS. The system that we've created is actually called Pivot. So our, our program's been working closely with other partners like FEMA OCIO, as well as USDA OCIO, and our contractors to modernize our IT systems for years. So our new system became the system of record in October of 2019. And then we actually reached full operational capability in 2020 on schedule and under budget, which as most people know, that's that's no small feat. And our, our team and our partnerships definitely made that possible. We utilized agile methodologies to always look for the better way to do whatever it was. And as Alana said, you, you've got a lot of challenge out there from acquisition to getting through gates and other things, but we were able to meet all those requirements and deliver the program needs. So since Pivot became full, fully operational, we were immediately challenged with leveraging the new system to achieve a longstanding goal of modernizing the way we rate our insurance policies. Our insurance products and rating methodology hadn't changed much since the early years of the program, back from the 1970s. So people were eager, waiting for, for Pivot to become real and live and, and just, okay, now we've got your next challenge for you. So the program created a new rating system based on insurance industry best practices that utilize the latest technology, which is where we come in, and data available, which we call Risk Rating 2.0 Equity in Action. Business need to provide insurance rates that were fair, fair and clear based on a property's unique risk was at the core of what the new rating methodology was trying to do. So this was quite an undertaking for a system that had just hit a major milestone of becoming fully operational and taking on the operations for the entire insurance program. But we were able to quickly start the effort, deliver on the goal, and today we're providing quotes for new and existing customers based on the new rating methodology. This, of course, meant the demands on the system itself increased significantly to process all these flood insurance uh, policy quotes based on uh, the new methodology in real time for insurance agents working across all our partner insurance companies through their various systems and with the data and services required to enable the new methodology. So we went live first phase one for risk rating 2.0 in August of 2020. And since then we've promised, we've already processed more than 20 million quote requests for more than 40 different insurance companies. So that's quite a change. And we were able to handle that. We were able to quickly deliver on this, finding better ways to meet performance demands of the system and do it as efficiently and cost effectively as possible continues to be the goal. We definitely have taken on quite a bit. So now we are working with our OCIO team to move to a commercial cloud provider based on the team's assessment of available alternatives. This move will allow us to leverage high availability, storage, network performance, security and architecture and engineering strengths of, of the cloud provider so that we can continue to deliver for our customers. CIO Hutchinson's execution of the FEMA, or the FEMA strategic plan to move to the cloud and explore new technologies that enabled us to start that work now, similar to the other programs she supports in systems at FEMA. And, and it's just, we, we have not slowed down. It just keeps, keeps going fast and furious. I learned a lot and, and you answered a lot of my questions, but Kevin, I have, I have a follow-up of course. So okay. let's start with the basics, uh, the move to the commercial cloud. What's the challenge there? What's that going to take you to, to move from whether you're in a data center or some sort of private FEMA slash DHS 
cloud to move to a commercial cloud? What's what are some of those uh, obstacles or challenges or things you have to just get comfortable with? Oh, that's quite a bit. So we are currently at the USDA's data center in, in Kansas City. So we, we are looking at, okay, we want to improve our performance. We want to lower our cost. We know more is coming, uh, right? So the sooner we can, we can get to a new cloud provider and start to see some efficiencies and benefits, the better. Like Alana said, contracting is hard. But we've been able to partner both within FEMA and outside of FEMA with partnerships like we had with USDA currently to, to actually accelerate and, and move very quickly. So we've been lucky. We, we have used, I think, partnerships to our maximum benefit to be able to keep moving, keep overcoming some of the challenges with, which would normally have delayed us. But where we've got partners that either have the capabilities or have the contracts in place that could support the program, that's where we've been able to, to really move. So you haven't moved yet, but you are going to move to the commercial cloud, right? That's to make sure I'm yep. clear here. Yep. Okay. We, haven't, we haven't moved yet. So uh, that's where Ms. Hutchinson's team is, is coming in and helping us to actually build out a new FEMA enterprise offering with uh, Google specifically. So okay. we're putting demands on, on her and her team and working closely to get that done. And then once that's established, we will be working to migrate pivot over from uh, the data center to, to the Google Cloud. We have to take a break. Today I'm playing an excerpt of a recent ACT IAC event with FEMA that I moderated. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. Today I'm playing an excerpt of a recent ACT IAC event with FEMA that I moderated. My guests on that panel were Latwita Hutchinson, the FEMA Chief Information Officer, Greg Edwards, the FEMA Chief Information Security Officer, Kevin Long, the Insurance Systems Branch Chief, and Alana Barnhart, a Senior Technical Advisor. In this segment, we hear from Greg Edwards, FEMA CISO. We've kind of taken the secret and told them about some additional funding that we were able to receive in the cyber area. It is exciting times to be in cyber and FEMA, but it, it perhaps was not several years ago. We uh, are a maturing organization, and we have come from a place where we had a backlog of uh, work that we had to perform, and we've overcome that by integrating contract staff with our government staff to help us through our authorization processes. But I'd like to begin by saying that, you know, it's all about people, processes, and technology, and if you're looking to upscale or you're looking to make some improvements in the cyber area, one of the tenets of our digital equity theme is professionalizing the cyber workforce. And there are many tenets under that professionalization, but it is about the people and it's about the technology and processes in that regard. And so what I want to tell you perhaps that you don't know about is to talk about a process and then to talk about some technology uh, in the cyber area. I would be very remiss if I didn't talk about zero trust, I know the entire audience, you hear a CISO and first thing you want to you hear about is uh, how are you doing in the zero trust area? And so uh, I'll talk a little, little bit about that and, and where we see ourselves and where we're going in the zero trust space. And then I'll talk about a process that we're very excited about and Alana somewhat alluded to uh, in, in her uh, presentation as well. And that's something we call secure by design. This is how we bring cybersecurity closer to that acquisition uh, process. And we start at the beginning and go to the end uh, thinking about cyber. So 
First, in the zero trust uh, area, I think uh, the audience is probably familiar with the, uh, the, the framework for zero trust, uh, starting with the user, devices, networks, applications, and data. Uh, I'm often asked, uh, so where, where did FEMA start? You know, where are you investing heavily? What, what are you doing you know, in the zero trust area? I believe uh, we are addressing each of those areas. It's not a peanut butter spread because we don't have the funding to get to all of it, nor do we have the staff to get to all of it. But we essentially started uh, some years ago from a user perspective because our clientels are who? There are there's the state, the localities, the territories, and, and tribes, uh, you know, in, in various regions. And so we must provide services to them in, in, if, if there is a disaster in, in their area. And so I'm, I'm talking about from a user perspective, so how do you then access FEMA services? Uh, how do you access to get a grant? How do you access to get individual assistance? Well, we wanted to be able to protect any of the data, but we wanted to be able to protect the communications where a stakeholder was communicating with FEMA. We all know in the federal government, we, we carry around our cards. We call them the private identity verification cards in, in FEMA. In DOD, it's a common access control card. Okay. But that is your protected access into, uh, into, the, uh, into the FEMA enterprise. I raise this because it's, it's very simple and easy to do if you uh, own the organization and then you uh, put that capability in everyone's hands. But what happens when you need to speak with a disaster survivor or they need to interact with you? Well, they don't have a PIF card. Well, not anymore. We have uh, implemented a program whereby we have seeded the technology in many of the states uh, and localities as to where they can build their own cards and then issue them to within the state. Well, but you're still saying, Greg, but, uh, you know, my mother is not going to have that card, you know, in her hand, how is she going to access those services? Well, that's multi-factor authentication. And so there's another way in which we talk about accessing the FEMA services. So my point is, we spent a lot of time in terms of zero trust with our users and thinking about how they access in a protected and a secure manner our, our, our services. Certainly devices uh, in that area, we've made some improvements in terms of uh, how we control our mobile devices uh, and, and made some modernization in that area. The network and the application is also, we've made some uh, resilience uh, uh, improvements uh, in, in, in terms of our network. We've done a heck of a lot of modernization of the assets themselves uh, in, in that space. And the applications, uh, that's all about our journey to, uh, to our FEMA Enterprise Cloud that the boss has talked about in that regard. And, uh, and then data from a cyber perspective, uh, focusing very heavily uh, on data being encrypted uh, at rest and also data being encrypted uh, in, in transit. And so those are the zero trust areas. We look at technologies. Well, technologies we need to help us uh, meet the objectives of zero trust uh, architecture goals. And, and I think it's, uh, it, it's open to everyone. You'll see a lot of OMB uh, policy guidance that is tightening uh, the, the reins, if you would, in terms of we need to do even more. I was hearkened by a, a, a reading the policy and given an indication, or I say a directive, given an indication that applications are now to be treated as though they are accessible you know, to the public. 
And so now begin to think about how we ensure protection in those areas. So zero trust, that's an example of uh, technology. The next, uh, we're really, really excited about a process change that we're, we're looking to, uh, to put in place. And this is about the acquisition life cycle. And even to this day, as long as we've been, been in technology and cyber, we still are not thinking about cyber at the beginning. When those requirements for some new capability are developed, we're not necessarily at the same time looking at the cyber requirements in that regard. And so what we want to, what we're going to initiate uh, within FEMA is what we call a secure by design methodology framework. And what that's going to allow us to do is closely align the cyber software, if you would, or system development lifecycle with the acquisition lifecycle. So step by step, we'll be looking at cyber activities uh, throughout those phases. From the requirements to when you're doing some software uh, uh, development, to you're doing some critical design testing, to you're implementing, until you are decommissioning. Okay, those are all activities that require cyber attention and focus. Uh, and we think this framework, uh, secure by design, will be helpful to uh, govern that overall process and, and, and help us, uh, again, tighten the reins in that area. A few outcomes from this, of course, is we believe that it will give us early identification of uh, some of the uh, mitigations of security vulnerabilities. We're discovering that well into an assessment of a system, we're identifying vulnerabilities which we would have known about early on in the acquisition lifecycle had we we been looking for those. And we want to uh, be more optimal in terms of shared security services. How many tools are enough tools to allow us to perform our business is the point that I'm making here. Well, we want the right tools that have the capabilities that we need to, to help us perform those. And we'll see some reduced costs, we hope, in that regard. We want to include the key stakeholders in a collaborative discussion. How many times is it that cyber is seen as the inhibitor, if you would, of something as opposed to an enabler? We want to be that enabler of capability. I'm often having discussions about you know, risk-based management, and I'm reminded, okay, Greg, it's not just about your cyber risk, okay? It is also about my mission and my ability to be able to execute that mission uh, as well. And so we have to consider that. Uh, And then also, documentation is important, okay? Documenting the security decisions throughout that life cycle. And particularly when you get into a a reauthorization or an ongoing authorization uh, process that we hope to to get to soon, uh, we have to have good documentation of the security decisions along the way. And, And then finally, I would say we want to improve operability, And again, what I mean by this is if you're taking each element of a a system and you're isolating and making changes and improvements to that, you perhaps may not be optimal. And when you put it all together, then there are cybersecurity concerns in the aggregate. And and this secure by design approach, I think, will help us uh, make sure that we're looking at the the problem set more holistically. And I I always want to kind of conclude with people. It is not the people in other process that work by themselves. Uh, even though we might think about automating and doing various things, uh, we still need to take care of our people. And we're doing that in terms of uh, 
training, uh, certifying our, our, our government staff, uh, and then, of course, continuing to reach out and, and contract and tender with industry uh, so we have the, the best of both worlds in that regard. Greg, I, I guess the, the, the main question is, we know a lot of mentions Cure by Design as part of the pilot. Where are you at with kind of rolling this out broader than the pilots, or are you waiting to see how this pilot does, kind of understand from a prototype perspective, and then go from there? What's the timeline we're looking at? Because the sooner you can get this out the door, obviously the better it is for everybody. Where we are in, in OCIO is truly building the framework. We're at the governance point still, and, and, and we want to communicate you know, the governance framework to our governance board. So we get the buy-in from the whole community about the concept, the methodology, a good understanding of it before we start saying that we're, we're actually implementing anything in that regard. So we have to do some communications uh, still at that point. But, you know, in our business, we're always working in parallel. So to, to Alana's part is we'll be partnering with Alana in her major program. So we do some prototyping, some understanding of some of the impacts of actually implementing this, you know, getting get, getting to a goal of ongoing authorization, things of that nature. We'll be doing the same thing with the uh, pivot program, if you will. So while we work the governance, we're also working with programs to kind of prototype, you know, how this would actually work. And uh, to a direct answer is by the end of this year, uh, we would expect to have our governance uh, process uh, solidly in place. And my boss has asked me to make sure that I have about three processes that we've fully implemented by the end of this year as well. All right. And just I appreciate you give us a little bit of a timeline. I, I know that those are always sometimes difficult, but just real quick, three processes. You mean three processes within Secure by Design or three prototypes uh, or pilots or, or what? Just mm -hmm. to clarify that. Yeah, three processes within Secure by Design. You know, there, there are nine processes, you know, all throughout. Some of those we're kind of mature at right now, and so we pick three of those processes. You know, it's from security planning all the way to, as I was saying, to the audits and things of that nature. And so we'll pick three of those and then make sure that we have good maturity in those three areas. Of course, we're going to then take on the other one. We have to take a break. Today I'm playing an excerpt of a recent ACT-IAC event with FEMA that I moderated. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. Today, I'm playing an excerpt of a recent ACT-IAC event with FEMA that I moderated. My guests on that panel were Latwita Hutchinson, the FEMA Chief Information Officer, Greg Edwards, the FEMA Chief Information Security Officer, Kevin Long, the Insurance Systems Branch Chief, and Alana Barnhart, a Senior Technical Advisor. In this segment, we hear from Latwita Hutchinson, FEMA's CIO. The enterprise portion of the cloud, we're going there in order to be scalable. We want to reduce costs and we want speed and agility. Just think about this for a moment, if you will. On any given day, our individual assistance program may be taking in a hundred, maybe a thousand registration calls. But then we have a hurricane and the number of requests for registration jumps to a hundred thousand. The cloud offers us that ability to be scalable, to be able to adapt to the changing needs of our programs in order to help our disaster survivors. So we're able to scale up or scale down using a model, and we use resources as we need them, when we need them. And we don't necessarily have resources sitting around in a data center 95% of the time that's unused. 
So the cloud service providers continue to offer quick and introduce new cloud capabilities for us to be able to bring, for them to bring things to market faster. And we want to take advantage of all of those capabilities as we are providing capabilities to our disaster survivors. From a cost reduction perspective, I talked about not having stuff sitting around waiting in order to be utilized. Well, the same here. In the cloud, we can pay as we go. If we need to scale up, we scale up and we pay for that. If we don't need, then we scale down. We're able to do this with things that we're able to predict and that we manage. I'll break right here and tell you a little story about a hot moment that we had in our journey. We were really truly focused on the technology. After all, we're the technology arm of the organization. We were focused on developing and implementing the path in order to get into the cloud as quickly and as rapidly, definitely as securely as we could. And what we found is that we missed the business element. We did not think about what's the process for everybody else? What's the cost model for everyone else? How are we going to actually monitor and manage the uptown downtime for various workloads? So we took a brief pause and brought that business element into our cloud journey. So not only did we manage the technical part, but we also included our business framework for a comprehensive look at how we would engage into the cloud and provide that capability for all of our programs to be able to utilize. Where are we going? Well, we're gonna keep moving towards the cloud. We're gonna keep moving our workloads into the cloud. And our goal is to, by the end of this year, to have at least 50% of all of our systems and services that are cloud ready to be moved into the cloud. I've had conversations with some vendors and some folks about lift and shift. Lift and shift is my last resort. Not that it's not something that's viable and that we won't do, but it's not where I'm looking first. My first look is to take capability and actually either modernize them and or lift them into the move them into the cloud uh, because they are cloud ready. Not that they're their native client server capability that should remain on prem. I also always get a question about, well, are you moving everything? Well, it just depends, right? So those are things that we have to look at. If there are capabilities that are better suited to be on-prem for some reason that I can't think of right now, but if that happens, then we will evaluate it as it happens and make a organization's decision if we will leave something on-prem. When I talk about where we're going, I think that the cloud is a dynamic tool for FEMA and that it will go a long way in order to support that equity that you talked about earlier, climate, resiliency, and the readiness of FEMA. But to realize the entire benefits of cloud technology, I believe that we must cultivate an organizational mindset around continuous improvement and learning. So modernization is not just a commitment that we make every five to 10 years. It has to be ingrained into the way we do our business daily. And we think about this modernization often. Uh, you sometimes will see even us, even FEMA, take a program and we just add on to that program because, you know, that's the easy thing to do. 
What I would submit that we have to take an opportunity to look at what is new on the marketplace and make a conscious decision in order to modernize with the times to ensure that we're providing our agency and our disaster survivors with the best possible technical solutions that we can as we are providing services to them. Our goal is to ensure that our services do not become obsolete by just adding on or building on to current uh, technology, but embracing new technology as that technology avails itself. You also heard us talk a little bit about our theme, our thematic for this year, which is delivering digital equities. And I know it kind of sounds like, okay, that's a real nice little catchphrase. It really does mean something to us. It, it is about delivering equity to our IT um, partners and to our citizens to be able to access FEMA's data. Not just access it, but access it securely. We also want to make sure that we are taking care of our disabled community and that we're ensuring that our systems, our services, our websites are ready for them to also be able to utilize. So we have a lot going on in the cloud space. We have a lot going on across FEMA as it relates to systems and services that we would like to deliver to our partners and to our citizens to be able to take advantage of the capability that FEMA brings to bear, especially during the time of need in a disaster. Well, Tweeta, before we go uh, to the audience questions, I'm going to ask one of my own. And the question goes back to, you talked about your goal by the end of the year, have at least 50% of all systems and services that are cloud ready. And I think that's the key point to move into the cloud. Do you have a bigger goal or a broader goal to say, of all the systems we currently own, we know X percent are cloud ready and we want to move 50% of those and Y are either A, need to be upgraded, modernized, or gotten rid of, or you know, kind of redone so they are cloud ready. Do you have those uh, statistics or some concept of, of, okay, what's your path look like? We do have uh, upward of, I think, 53 systems that are cloud ready. So that will be 50% of 53 for this fiscal year, not calendar year, but this fiscal year will be 50% of that number. We have another uh, set of systems that are not ready, that are not cloud ready, that will have to go through a modernization phase. Our goal is uh, FY26 to have all of our systems and services in the cloud. That is inclusive of our financial systems. Our goal is in 25 that we will be turning our attention towards all of our financial systems because we have a large modernization there going on in order to ensure that they're in the cloud. As I stated before, there may be some reason why we leave something uh, in our data center and we will we will address those on a case-by-case basis. So our goal is FY26 to be totally completed and the 50% goal this year is uh, somewhere around 20, 20 what, 22-ish systems. So, well, maybe 26, 26 systems. All right, let's get to our audience questions. So our first question comes from Tim and Tim asks, Given the large amount of tax dollars that are being dispersed by FEMA, what fraud, waste, and abuse measures are being considered or built into your systems? We are always conscious of fraud, waste, and abuse, and we are always looking for the ability to cross up, um, evaluate uh, different systems, different information sets to ensure that we're giving out the right, I would say, funds or requests to the right people for the right reasons. 
And so, yes, we do build those capabilities in place. We do have various agreements with departments in order to do that cross-check to make sure people are who they say they are, that they actually have the emergency that they say they have, um, and we work from that perspective. I'll let Alana or Kevin uh, chime in from their program perspective. FEMA is an active participant in the Department of Fraud, Waste, and Abuse working group. We have our own agency-level working group, and, and really we're trying to address the issues as early as possible, but left of check, right, is first you, you build systems that are highly secure and leverage security protocols that prevent fraud from occurring. And I think understanding the patterns that these fraudsters uh, are attempting to leverage helps us to be able to put those controls in place that prevent the fraud. Uh, Identity verification, of course, is one of the most critical pieces of that, making sure that we're actually doing business with somebody we anticipate and, and agree to do business with. I think that maturing our data analytics capabilities. We're investing in some modernization of our, our analytics capabilities is another huge piece of that, right? Is is that's where you find evidence of fraud occurring within the systems and ideally detect that and block that before you get to a point where funds are actually dispersed. Kevin? For us on the insurance side, it's really working with our systems and our people on claims. So claims is where you, you've had a flood event, you've had some damage either to your home or, or your uh, contents, and you file a claim. So we've got third-party monitoring and controls that we, we've got in place. We want to continue to always grow that and, and work on the business side to figure out what what would be helpful. So are we capturing the right data for our insurance adjusters to know that we've got registered adjusters? Are there ways to automate some of the claims process so that we're validating against the the policy data, that we're validating against what's being submitted in terms of um, um, claim documentation? Are are they within the right dates? Are they um, hitting the right triggers? All of that kind of work, I think, is is the focus of our business side, and that's where we want to support them. We go through the annual audit, of course, uh, as a financial system that, that looks at all these processes. We're always finding um, new controls or issues with controls and working to, to improve That's all the time we have for today. You just heard an excerpt of a recent ACT-IAC event with FEMA that I moderated. My guests on that panel were Latwita Hutchinson, the FEMA Chief Information Officer, Greg Edwards, FEMA's Chief Information Security Officer, Kevin Long, the Insurance Systems Branch Chief, and Alana Barnhart, a Senior Technical Advisor. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. You've been listening to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Network. Tune in Thursday mornings at 10 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.